Hey, turn to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. I'm going to read the first 27 verses. Genesis 24. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto thy country, to my country, to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. The servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swear to him concerning the matter. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, under the city of Nair. He made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even when the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master, Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master, Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. Came to pass, before he had done speaking, that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. The damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. She went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also, until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough, and ran again unto the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And the man, wandering at her, held his peace, to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight, and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold, and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nair. She said moreover unto him, We have both prov straw and provender enough, and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head, and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being the way, being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Just titled this tonight, Being in the Way, the Lord Led Me.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. Lord, as I pray as we look into the word of God tonight, that you would again encourage and challenge our hearts and, and speak to us through it. Allow the Spirit of God to have his will and his way, that you might be glorified and that we might be helped. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot of typology in the Old Testament, particularly in the book of, of uh, Genesis. Uh, of course, uh, <clears throat> of Christ in the church, Isaac is the son of promise. As we know, we looked at that last week from chapter 22. He was the son of promise. And uh, Rebecca, you know, speaks of the church. Uh, and, of course, the servant pictures for us the Holy Spirit. Uh, you might say, preparing a bride... Uh, for the son. And, uh, but I want to notice several things from this passage tonight as we think about this. That, you know, the, the servant of, Isaac, or, uh, of Abraham is given a command uh, to carry out. And, and uh, the first thing that he does is he prays and asks for the Lord's direction concerning this command was of the Lord to, to prosper his way. If you notice in verse 12, And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men in the city come out to draw water. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I might drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and therefore shall I know thou hast showed kindness unto my master Abraham. Now, we notice here several things. You know, he prays very specifically. Abraham gave him a specific command. You're to go to my, the house of my fathers, and you're to take a wife for my son Isaac from the house of my fathers. So it's a particular family that he's looking for for wife, and he gave him specific instructions that she was to come where he is. He was not to go to her. Uh, and so he prays and asks specifically for someone to come and identify herself who would be, who would fit the bill. Who would forget fit what is commanded by the Lord? You know, our prayers, you know, our prayers should precede our pursuits, but our prayers should be according to the will of God. We need to be seeking what God commands us to have and to do. And of course, this was a pattern, this is a pattern of the early church, and it's a pattern throughout the New Testament, that prayer preceded their Pursuits in Acts chapter 1, verse 13 says, And when they were come into the upper room, they went up into when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotus, Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And so they had been instructed by the Lord to tarry uh, in Jerusalem till they be endued with power. So they, they, they gather together in this upper room, 
and they abode that by there and they pray and seek the Lord's direction and power. In Acts chapter two and verse forty-two, it says, and of course this is after, this is the day of Pentecost, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking in bread and in prayers. Chapter three, verse one. Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Chapter four, verse twenty-four. Chapter four, verse twenty-four. And when they heard that, so now the persecution has started, and and being let go, verse twenty-three, they went to their own company, reported all that chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord. Thou art God, and which hast made heaven and earth, and the sea, and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said, Why the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain things? Drop down to verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And, and of course, you know, you come to Acts chapter 10, when the men from Joppa... Uh, the men from Cornelius are seeking Peter, who's in Joppa. Peter's praying at the hour of prayer. They had specific times that they met for prayer. When there was problems, Peter was arrested. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. But prayer was made of the church unto God for Peter. So, you know, prayer should always precede our pursuits, and we should pray about everything. We need to pray for, you know, for wisdom, for direction in life, for you know, what we should pursue as a career, schooling, who to marry, uh, finances, about how to handle our finances. All these things we should seek the Lord's guidance for and, and, uh, and seek His will in that and pray in accordance with the will of God, not what we think or what we feel, but what is right according to the Word of God. You know, sometimes people use prayer as an excuse. You know, there's some things you don't have to pray about because it's just clearly commanded. Some people, you know, uh, you don't have to pray about whether you should witness. You should pray about how you do it and for strength and wisdom to do it. But you don't have to pray about whether you ought to do it or not. You don't have to pray about whether you should tithe. You should maybe pray, you should pray about how much you give over and above your tithe. But you don't have to pray about should I tithe? No, it's a clear command of God. But you know, prayer should be a way of life for us. Prayer is probably the most, somebody said prayer is probably the most neglected duty of the modern church. And so we see here that the servant of Abraham sought the Lord. He prayed as he proceeded forth that the Lord would direct his path. I want you to notice the second thing. The leading of the Lord depends upon our living. If you notice in verse 27, drop down to verse 27. And we're skipping a lot of this, but in verse 27 it says, And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. You know, Abraham, you know, Abraham pictures for us God. He commanded his household after him. Eliezer, it was, we believe this servant is Eliezer, who was his servant, his, his, uh, the, the, the 
the uh, uh, steward of his house. He was the steward of his house, Eliezer. Uh, and we know that because at one point, you know, Abraham said to God, I have no son. And, I, you know, Eliezer is the steward of my house. Meaning, you know, if he didn't have a son, he'd give everything that he had unto Eliezer because he was his most prized uh, steward. But, but uh, so we believe it's probably Eliezer. And Eliezer, of course, Isaac pictures Christ. Eliezer pictures for us uh, the Spirit of God but, uh, and the servant of the Lord. And he says, I being the way, and he's obedient. He does what the Father has commanded him. Abraham, his, his master, has commanded him. And he goes to where he directed him, and he, he again is reminded that, we're reminded here that God keeps his promises uh, to us. He says, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. You see, the leading of the Lord depends upon our living for the Lord. He says, I was in the way the Lord led me. If you're in the way the Lord lead, is leading you, if the Lord is leading you, you're going to end up at the right place. You'll always be in the right place if the Lord is leading you. I mean, that's not rocket science, is it? You know, if, we're, if the Lord is leading us, we'll always be at the right place at the right time with the right words or, or to do the right thing if the Lord is leading. You see, he is, he is at the right place at the right time with the right words to say because he's in the way the Lord led him. And, of course, we know, you know, we know uh, the Lord's will is determined by his word, Psalm 119, verse 105 Thy words is the words is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, Psalm 130, uh, verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light, giveth understanding unto the simple. But we can't expect to know the will of the Lord if we are not listening to Him. You know, Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto Him. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. The key there is to delight yourself in the Lord, in the Lord's will. If we don't delight ourselves in the Lord's will, we can't expect to be directed by the Lord. Remember Pastor Mitchell was saying when he was over at Calvary the last time this past August, he talked about a woman, a wife, who was not submissive to her husband. And she would tell people she's not submissive to her husband. It was almost like it was a badge for her that she was not submissive to her husband. You know, how can a wife who's not submissive of her husband know what the will of God is? She won't. You know, if you're confused, bewildered, or perplexed, maybe it's just something God has told you to do you're not doing. I've known people that have refused to be baptized. They know what the Bible teaches, but they're unwilling to do it. And some people will say, well, Lord, I'll do anything but. I remember I was an old preacher in Maine, when we were still in Maine, and he, had, he was a retired pastor, and he, he filled pulpits for churches, and 
help churches find pastors and and so prospects would call him asking if there's any churches so this guy calls him and said he said uh, you know I'm looking for a church but I don't want to go north of Bangor and he said I need to write his name down see what he did was put a limitation on where he would go he was limiting the Lord Uh, it'd be like going to the doctor, and the doctor says you got this illness, you got an infection, and you need an antibiotic, and, I, and he gives you an antibiotic, and you go home, and you flush the antibiotic down the toilet, and a week later, you're no better, and you go back to the doctor and say, Doc, I'm not any better. What's he going to ask you? Did you take the medication? Did you take the antibiotic? Well, no, I, that stuff's not good for me, and I, and I, you know, I, it, it probably wouldn't have helped anyway. And 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 I, I you know, he's going to say, I can't help you if you're not going to follow my instructions. You can't blame the doctor if you won't follow his advice. Look at First Samuel. We see an example of this in First Samuel chapter twenty-eight of a man who turned away from the Lord and then wondered why God didn't answer him. 1 Samuel chapter 28. It says, And it came to pass in those days the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou surely that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore I will make thee keeper of mine head forever. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel lamented him, buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together, and they came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched in Geboah. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by the prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that might go to her and inquire of her. And the servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And of course, the Bible goes on and tells us that he disguised himself and went to her. You know, God didn't answer Saul because Saul had disobeyed the Lord and had not repented of his sin. So God did not answer him. So instead, he turned to a witch. You know, if God doesn't give the answer you want, you're going to go to the world? It'll bring you misery and destruction. Job chapter 9, Job chapter 9, verse 4. Job chapter 9, verse 4 says this. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Talking about the Lord. Who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered? Proverbs chapter 14, 
in verse 6. Proverbs 14 and verse 6. says, A scorner seeketh wisdom, and findeth it not. You know, a scorner is one that rejects the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. They turn away from, from the truth. They don't, want to, they don't want to receive instruction. That's a scorner. And so he seeks wisdom, and he findeth not. But knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth. Chapter 15, verse 32. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. You know, Jesus said in John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. You know, Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, Jeremiah said, You shall seek me and you shall find me when you turn, seek me with all your heart. All your heart. However, Israel did not seek her with all her heart. We know from Jeremiah 3.10. Yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but feignedly. Feignedly. The word feign means to disguise or put on an act. Yeah, we can put on an act. A lot of what goes on in churches is an act. I was reading uh, a couple weeks ago, I was preparing for one of those messages where I talked about the... Uh, no, I think I was actually preparing for my Winstute class. And we were talking about tongues and healing and, you know, and these, these tongue-speaking uh, tongue preachers. And, 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 uh, and, and this one guy who used to, who's a young man as a teenager started working with a pastor who was a, a, a faith healer. Uh, and he, he now has exposed all that for what it is and how they hoodwinked the people. They screen, they even hire people off the streets, homeless people, to do their act of healing so that they can get people to give money to them. He said, it's all, it's all a circus. It's all, it's all an act. It's all it is. And the, it's the biggest charade that goes on in our country. You know, it's just an act. It's, it's full of deception. And, uh, and he said, you know, I worked for that preacher for a while until I couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. And he said, you know, that preacher left this church. After he made lots of money, he went to another place. He stayed there for a few years, made lots of money. And he said, nah, I don't know where he is now. Can't find him. You know, but it's just, it's all disgust. You know, uh, what they're doing is they're not, they, they're putting on an act. They have an appearance of righteousness, but... Lack the power thereof. And so the leading, our leading of the Lord depends upon our living. We need to obey what we know to be right. Then once you notice thirdly, the Lord is before us and with us. Again, it depends upon our living. But if you notice in verse, drop down to verse 40, verse 40 of Genesis chapter 24, this narration continues, And he said unto me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee, and prosper thy way, and thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my father's house. You know, Abraham gave this command to his servant Eliezer, and said, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee. 
And he will prosper thy way, and thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred. You know, we, we, if we are living for the Lord, we need to allow the Lord to lead us and prepare the way or go before us. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 29. Deuteronomy 1, verse 29. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, notice, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you, according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness, where thou hast seen how the Lord thy God bare thee, as a man doth bear his son, and all of the way that ye went, until ye came unto this place. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in and in fire by night to show you by what way way ye should go and in a cloud by day. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear to give unto your fathers. Now we know the land of Canaan uh, pictures for us victory and blessing in this life. It's not... You know, crossing Jordan and going into Canaan does not picture dying and going to heaven, as the song says. No, it pictures uh, uh, leaving Egypt, the world, and going on to victory and blessing in the things of the Lord. Uh, but these, because they, and of course it represents battles, and we have to face the world. We have to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. We have to yield to God continually. We have to allow the Lord to lead us. That's what the children of Israel needed to do. They needed to allow the Lord to lead them. They didn't know where they were going. They had never been to this place before. There are places that the Lord is going to take you, circumstances He's going to take you in, that you have no idea that you would ever get into those. But you have to trust the Lord. Believe His promise that He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You know, there's, I don't know if you've read the quote in the bulletin. It's very fitting. God will take care of what you go through. You take care of how you go through it. See, the Lord's going to lead you in the circumstances, they're going to try your faith. They're going to test you. The question is, are you going to be, are you going to continue to follow the Lord in those circumstances, or are you going to lean to your own understanding? You know, Hebrews 13.5, the first part of that verse starts out this way. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content. There will be places God will lead you that you will be tempted not to be content. And if you're not content, what is that? You want something that you don't have. That's covetousness. So let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with what God has given you. 
That's the idea there. Be content with what God has given you. If you don't have something you want, it's because God hasn't given it to you. For he has said, I will never lead you, leave you, nor forsake you. You see, the problem with the children of Israel was they were covetous. They weren't satisfied with the manna that God gave them every day, which supplied their need. You know what our problem is sometimes? We're not satisfied with what God supplies us with. Do you know what need is, biblically? It's having food and raiment. Do you know what that means? This may shock some of you. And I'm not opposed to these. I'm just saying you. Saying this is truth. Birthday gifts? <sighs> Christmas gifts? They're not really needs. They're not really. I mean, they're nice. You know, if you have lots of children, they're really nice. <laughs> no. no, they're nice, but they're not needs. You know, to most Americans, that's a shock. We can't live with that, you know. We, we have a lot of things that we think we have to have that are not needs. I knew a man that ran a business, and very profitable business, without a cell phone. And this wasn't 30 years ago either. He said, I don't need it. In fact, I know a dairy farm in Pennsylvania that doesn't have a cell phone. He said, I don't have good service here, so why bother with it? He said, and I really don't need it. You know, I sometimes wish I didn't have one, but other times I think, you know, what would I do without it, you know? Um, but anyway, no, we need, to, see, we need to be content with what the God has given us and trust him. Allow him. And that trust is allowing him to lead us in the way he would have us to go. Because he will lead us to the fourth place. He will lead us to a places of privilege. I want you to notice Genesis 24 and verse 43. Verse 43. Behold, I stand by the well of water. And it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water. And, I, and he's rehearsing here what he prayed. When... When the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray, the little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she say to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. So, you know, a well is a place where people gather. You know, wells weren't, you know, we, and it's hard for us to fathom this now because we all have running water in our houses. But in that day and time, everybody went out to the well to get their water. So it was a place, a special place, a very prominent place to the community. It's very important. It was vital, that well. It was a place where people would gather. And a place where everybody's going to come sooner or later. And, of course, here comes Rebecca. It speaks of, you know, a well speaks of life, of nourishment. It was a necessity for the survival of the community or of the people. You know, without water, what, a couple days, hours? I'm not sure what the length of time is. Without water, you're going to die. So it speaks of life, nourishment, refreshment. 
And, uh, and, and you know, of course, it, 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 it well speaks of a continual supply. You know, Jesus spoke about this in, in John chapter 7. Like he, was, he said, uh, he that follows me shall not uh, uh, or drink of the water that I should give. It will be a well of water springing up in him into everlasting life. It speaks of a, like an artesian well that just bubbles over and continues to supply the need. It just continues to run. It's always available. It's easily accessible. Go to Psalm 84 and verses 5 and 6. There's an interesting interesting, uh, verse there I want us to to, to note. Psalm 84, verses 5 and 6. It says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Becca, Make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. Now, the valley of Becca speaks of valley. Becca means misery. Misery. Now, notice this again. Who passing through the valley of Becca make it a well. You know, Paul, Nathan's sharing a little bit about Paul being in the Roman jail tonight in men's meeting. He could have been sitting in there having himself a pity party. He made it a well. He made it a well. He trusted God even there. Joseph could have went to Egypt as a slave, and he could have had himself a pity party. He made it well. He made it a blessing. Everything that he did, God made to prosper his hand. Because he didn't, he didn't lament and sit around and lament for what had happened to him. No, he looked for opportunities to serve the Lord and be faithful in it. And God made whatever he did to prosper, even when he was thrown in jail, unjustly. You see, the man, blessed is the man. Think about this. Blessed is the man who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. You know, we need to, again, if we trust God in our circumstances, realize that we have a privilege to serve him in Walking with him is our source of strength and comfort through the heartaches and miseries of life. And so, it is, speaks of a place of privilege. Notice, fifthly, the importance of a personal decision. Verse uh, 58 says, And they called Rebecca. You know, he, he gave him the, her family the spill about you know, his desires to take Rebekah back to be the wife of Isaac. And so, and they said, on, they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. You know, we all have to, to choose what we're going to do, how we're going to respond in, all, in, a, in any circumstance of life. Uh, Romans fourteen twelve says, So then every, man, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 13 through 15, makes it very clear 
that we're all going to give an account of ourselves to God. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13 says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall clear it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he, shall, he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be made burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Notice it refers to every man, he or himself. We all have to make our own decisions. Will you serve the Lord? Will you obey Him? Will you trust Him even in the difficult circumstances of life? The question we have to ask ourselves is, will I obey the Lord or do my own thing? I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 14 for a minute. 2 Timothy 2. You know, I like to quote verse 13. But I want you to think about that in a little different light tonight. 2 Timothy 2, verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Now, think about that. If we believe not, he abideth faithful. The children of Israel didn't believe. And what did God do in his faithfulness? He let them all die in the wilderness. They wandered around for 40 years in the same place. You know what that pictures? That pictures a Christian who will not obey the Lord, who never grows in their Christian life. They struggle all their life because they never apply God's promises to their life. And so they just continue like they always did. Just like the children of Israel for 40 years, just wandered around from place to place, going nowhere. They were always moving, but going nowhere. See, God's going to be faithful. Now, to those who, like Joshua and Caleb, you know what? But they suffered because of those that didn't believe. But God kept his promise to them. God will keep his promises to you, no matter what anybody else does. God will keep his promises. And so the question is, will you believe him? We need to believe him. If we believe not, you know, he's going to chasten us, of course, because he loves us. And so we see the importance of a personal decision. We, we have to act in faith upon the promises of God. And then notice the, the last thing, a right attitude for the reception of God's gifts. Notice verse 67. Verse 67 of this passage says, let's read verse 66. And the servant, so he, Eliezer has brought Rebekah back to Isaac, and he meets her. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And the servant brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted 
after his mother's death. You know, we need to have the right reception of what God gives to us. We need to love what God gives us. We need to rejoice in what God gives us. You know, sometimes, this is what children of Israel did, instead of being content with what God, and loving what God gave them, they were looking back to Egypt. They were looking to what other people had. When they got into the land, and remember after Samuel, they come to Samuel and say, um, oh, we want a king like all the other nations. Again, they weren't content with what God gave them. They weren't loving what God had given them. They wanted to be like the nations around them. No, we need to love what God has given us and don't be jealous over, or or, again, it goes back to not being content with what God has given us, but seek the things of the world, which will not satisfy. You know, God gives us, I think with some gifts, God gives us. God gives us salvation. He gives us sanctification. You know what sanctification is? Sanctification is God working our life to purify us, to make us more like himself. And that means, you know, we need to put off the old man, put on the new man. Sometimes that's like surgery. It's not, well, it's with pain. I remember Pastor Green saying one time, when the Lord began to deal with him about his music, he said, I, I took garbage bags full of my rock and roll music and I dumped it in the dumpster and he said I cried it was painful but he knew it was right it was right that's what sanctification is and then service we have the opportunity and privilege to serve the Lord and we are to serve him with gladness Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Delight in his law, Psalm 1 tells us. Delight to do his will, Psalm 37. And rejoice in what God has given us. You know, Psalm 19, verse 8 says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. When we obey the statutes of God, it will bring rejoicing into our heart. And so, uh, we need to be in the way the Lord leads us. Uh, Delighting to do His will. Content with what He has given us. Are you walking in His way?